Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. Since the devastating attack on Israel by Hamas in October 2023 and the non-ending retaliation by Israel on Palestinians in the Gaza in the main, many South Africans under various groups and formations have traveled to Israel and Palestine to witness what the civilians are faced with and just basically to have a first-hand account on what is happening there. We've also seen a number of Israeli and Palestinian citizens go to several parts of the world pleading with the international community to help put an end to their suffering. Of course, we know what the ICJ is dealing with at the instance of the government of South Africa against the government of Israel. And all of that is yet to unfold with the 30 days soon to expire, whether or not Israel are going to submit their papers to the ICJ. Only time will tell. But one of our own and a colleague in the industry from Chai FM, Howard Feltman, who is a writer, radio host and commentator, currently is in Israel. And he now joins us on the line. Howard, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM, your competitor. <laughs> Hardly a competitor, but uh, wonderful to speak to you. Thank you I would for giving me the I would opportunity. I would claim it if I were you. If you're on the radio business, you're a competitor. Howard, thanks for your time. Um, <laughs> sure. You are in Israel right now. Tell us what's going on. So I, it, it, it's very interesting because I wasn't going to come on this trip. I thought I read the news. I know what's happening. I have family here. I've got uh, friends who have come to live. Yes, I thought, you know, I, I really do have a sense. And then I was I was encouraged to come here. And we've spent the last few days to, uh, touring, going to, to, to different areas. And I, I have to tell you that I have a very... A different sense of of what this is about, and and I just want to be clear that I I don't have a sense of the suffering from the Gazan side. I haven't had the opportunity to go to Gaza because I can't. Uh, I've been as close as I possibly can to the border there, but it is a state of war, and there is no chance that I will be allowed. So so it is it does come from a, a particular perspective, and and I just uh, you know I. Mm. It, the experience that I've had for the few days is this. So the the most powerful day for me was yesterday. And what we did yesterday was we went to three of the kibbutzim, which are the, the sort of areas along not too far from the Gaza border where these these massacres took place. And then we went as well to the site of the Nova Music Festival. And and each each of them were were very different. The one that that particularly haunted me or disturbed me was the kibbutz of Be'eri, where one of the survivors actually took us through. They've hosted Biden, they've hosted a number of, they've hosted ICJ as well. In fact, this particular guy took the ICJ through as well because they wanted to showcase, you know, give, the ICJ wanted to look at at what had actually happened. Mm. And, and what bothered me about this so much was, we know it was a massacre and, and we know how terrible it was. But the meticulous planning around this, where the guy described how each house was attacked 
by four Hamas operatives and how they, you know, in, in Israel, every house has a safe room, unfortunately, because of the rockets from, from Hamas from Gaza, how they, they, they lit, uh, knowing, knowing the families were in the rooms, how they, um, lit the house, opened the gas from the uh, from the um, other from the stoves, rolled burning tires in, burned them, and effectively got them out. Either they burned to death, or they or they were, um, or, or they came out, and unfortunately, maybe even worse happened to them. So there was this meticulous planning of four people per house, and uh, around about three hundred um, militants attacked this kibbutz. There was no way that they could defend it. They didn't even know what was going on before they they realized and you go from house to house and uh, you, you just see who had lived there and who was killed and 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 who was taken hostage and then we went into to one of the safe rooms and he played for us the whatsapp voice notes from this young girl of 13 whose father and mother were and brother were all in the safe room with him the mother had been shot the father had also been shot but she was keeping it together and and the desperation in her voice as she was calling for help and saying please come and help us uh, and and it, it, it was just heart-wrenching. And then you go from place to place and you realize uh, just how absolutely awful this whole experience was. And that it wasn't simply a, a, a terror attack, but almost a full-on invasion where where you had something like 3,000 operatives coming across the border in order to, to carry out these attacks. And part of it, and there was something like 60 different sites that were attacked. It was, in inverted commas, brilliantly planned. But that meant that the army couldn't get to anybody because they were busy defending their own positions. It's it's it, it's a it's. I mean, I'm rambling on, so please just stop me at any time. Well, I wouldn't say you're rambling, but it's, it's it's of course important for us to understand the context. I just want to understand. You, right. you, you've said yes. we a couple of times. I mean, are you part of a group? Or are you traveling on your own? Who, who's the we? Just, just want to understand the interest. So, so, so we is, is, is a small group. Um, it's just uh, really a few individuals from South Africa. That's why I had the opportunity and I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't even going to go. But then, you know, this, this group was going and things were organized to speak to uh, some of the survivors. In fact, I've just stepped out of a, um, a chat with Rabbi Lawrence Perez, who's a South African rabbi who's been living in Israel for um, many years. But his son is still is a hostage in Gaza, and he, it's the pain that this guy is describing. He doesn't know, uh, and in fact, what he was saying as I as I left the room, he was saying that you know, for for his wife or for the child's mother, who's always worrying, you know, are you have you eaten and are you cold because the kid hates the cold and whatever it would be. She, he said it's unimaginable. He talks to his son about Liverpool and being fit. So for him, it's for a father, and it's obviously just a generalization. He said it's hell, but for his wife, it's unimaginable. They have no idea where this, where this kid is, what his story if he is, if he's alive, if he's dead. It's, it's just an unimaginable. So, so, so you go through Israel, and it looks kind of normal. But the minute you start speaking to people, the it, this is a fractured, 
hurt, um, disappointed country, people, because they are very disappointed in their government, in the fact that the government let them down. And there's many reasons for that, including um, Netanyahu, who's who. I can. I think everybody is blaming, uh, maybe because he was taking the country on a on 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 a selfish right wing journey. I don't know, and and I'm is certainly not an expert. That, that is thought of Benjamin Netanyahu. Certainly, yes. one might view his rhetoric as very inflammatory sometimes, if not right wing. But perhaps without even going to that extent, he certainly is somebody who believes in his story and is willing to stick to his guns. What is his relationship with the people of Israel? Well, I have not come across one person who remains a supporter of his. In fact, everybody, and I'll tell you why, it's because his whole rhetoric, as, you, as you've just said, is about security and safety. And he kind of painted himself as this guy that they need to keep them safe. But he didn't. And and I think people are enormously look. I think I think that the sentiment is that he needs he needs to go very clearly. I haven't come across one person who says otherwise. The only discussion here that I'm seeing is does he go now or or, or does he go after this war? And and I think whereas in the beginning maybe they said after the war, the fact that it's still dragging on, I think means that they want him to go. And he hasn't brought back the hostages. So, you know, that's, I think, I, I think the sentiment is negative. Obviously it's, it's all my own perception. And I, I just really do want to be so clear on that because. No, for sure. no I appreciate uh, that. And I appreciate the honesty in you sort of saying that this is qualified views, but have you engaged any part of the Palestinian story, Palestinian perspective, had conversations so, with yeah. those who are of Palestinian origin? I know, of course, it's near impossible to get into the Gaza. Nobody can get into the right. Gaza. So, no, so I haven't on the Gazan side. Right. I haven't on the Gazan side, but we certainly have on the Israel side. And we've met with Palestinians who, um, so we've met, in fact, with the Bedouin community. And it was an incredible story of this Bedouin guy that lives not too far. And he has a taxi company. He's got a minivan. And he had, for example, taken a whole lot of young young people to the Nova Music Festival. And he said he had kind of just woken up in the morning and he got this, this, this phone call. His phone kept ringing and ringing. And he recognized it as being one of the numbers of one of the, the uh, one of his passengers who he had dropped at the music festival the day, the evening before. So he thought that's weird. And he answered it and he could hear the hysteria and what was going on. And he said, without even thinking, he just got into his van, and because he's Bedouin, he knew the back roads, so he didn't need to go on the main roads. He had no idea at this point what was happening. And as he got closer, he started seeing bodies, um, people hiding under trees, bodies. He just saw this massacre. Anyway, he managed, I don't even know how, to locate uh, this small group. They piled in about 30 people um, into uh, into his taxi uh, we kind of laughed because I thought, you know, South Africans, we're good at this. You know, he would have, we would have fitted, definitely fitted more in, but that was, uh, it wasn't a moment for, for any form of humor. But, but either way, he, he, he managed to save 30 lives. And, and here's a guy that doesn't care about the politics of it. He, he, he's just one human to another. He was called upon to, 
to do something. He didn't think about it and he carried on. And, and you know, he showed us around his, uh, we actually went to his home and he's got some really legitimate complaints about, he likes this about government, he doesn't like that. But what was amazing about it to me was it was a normal conversation that we would have in South Africa that, you know, we're grateful to the government for this, but we, 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 we critical of that. And, and this was this guy. And then we met with, you know, other uh, Israeli, Palestinian, Israeli Arabs who, who are living a normal life and here within Israel and exactly the same story. They've got some complaints. They like some things they don't like others, but, but they, they, what I'm sensing and again, perception is that they just want to keep a far, as far away from what's happening with Hamas um, across ac- across the Gazan border. So I haven't been into the West Bank. I've spoken to Israeli Arabs and I've spoken to Bedouins, but uh, uh, that's you know so far we've only really been here for for, for three days, four days. Twenty one twenty five is the time we're looking to wrap up this conversation. I have one voice note and two messages for the guest before we play the voice note here's what one of the messages says benjamin netanyahu is using the ethnic cleansing and genocide for his own personal glory as he knows that the genocide won't stop the palestinians from resisting the occupation and your guest is clear and telling as it is like sorry and your guest is clear and telling as it is unlike other embedded journalists that's tg Second note says, this is Edward Boti from Cape Town. Hi, good evening, Songezo. Your guest speaks like a pro-Israel and an anti-Palestinian. Here's the voice note, after which then you'll have an opportunity to reply. Howard. Hi, Songezo. Good evening. How are you, Mafuta? Yes, Songezo. If you may ask your guest there, uh, this staggering number of journalists being killed in in Gaza, uh, is it deliberate... Is it that uh, journalists are not making arrangement with the with the with the with the with the Israeli authorities? Is it a way to, to silence the the, the 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 media from publishing what is happening in Gaza? What really is happening there, Songezo? I'm concerned because, like in the case of the ICJ against Israel. Uh, last 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 month uh it seems like uh, though south africa won the case in most in most areas but uh, there was a lot that was supposed to be revealed that was not revealed because journalists are not allowed we're not allowed to to, to cover the the, the, the the atrocities happening in gaza Songezo. yeah i've got just on a minute minute and a half for your reply howard um, right. So, so first of all, I just want to be very, very clear that I'm actually pro-Palestinian. I believe that the Palestinians, there needs to be a two-state solution with people living side by side. I'm very clear on that. I was part of the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa, but I'm also Jewish and I am pro-Israel as well. So I believe that that Hamas, of all people, of all groups, is not pro-Palestinian. They have spent billions and billions of dollars conduct, uh, building 
tunnels, infrastructure, simply for the for simply to destroy Israel. So I think that's very, very important to to, to that that people who support Hamas are not pro-Palestinian. And I think that 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 I'm very, very clear on from this trip. The second thing is just to talk about the journalists. I, I, I can't defend Israel. That's not my role. It's not my job. But from what I do understand is that many of the people that have put on a press um, jacket are not necessarily part of the press. Um, they are part of Hamas. Hamas has used hospitals, they've used um, mosques, they've used schools, and they use the press. They've used ambulances. And we have to look at whatever they do with tremendous skepticism. I'm not saying Israel is perfect. I don't think Israel is perfect at all. But I do, but I do know that I have seen here what Hamas is capable of, and lying is certainly not uh, below their below their standards. I think in war anything is fair game, and I suppose we will only know the truth for the most part when things are in over future, and done. But sure. unfortunately, with the chaos, destruction, and mayhem on the ground right now. The only thing that can save us and save the cost of this great human tragedy is a ceasefire and a negotiated settlement. I mean, that's always been what certainly South Africa's position is. And many progressive forces on either side of wherever they might be pro. It's a two-state solution, ceasefire, a permanent one at that, and a proper reconfiguration of the borders and a respect of whatever that settlement is. Quite how that happens, don't ask me. But thanks for your time, Howard. Much appreciated. Thank you. Mr. Howard Feltman, radio host on Chai FM. He's a writer and a commentator. He's currently in Israel. It's day three and he's a South African and he'll soon come back and maybe again we might have his views. For now, we appreciate his time. The time is indeed 21.30. We have one final conversation and that's taking place immediately after this short ad break with Ms. Julie Mento and Ms. Kuliso Managa. The latter is an attorney from the Women's Legal Center, whereas the former Ms. Mento is a leader of the Embrace Movement. They will be talking to us about what legal recourse you should follow when you're a victim of obstetric violence. A little more on that after the break. If you're active on social media 